This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com and brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today, the Cattlemen's Association expresses concern about the border blockade at Coots, Alberta. And we have a comment from the Federal Agriculture Minister. The president of APAS also expresses concern about the border blockade at Coots. We have the latest grain movement results and there are some disappointing numbers. Ottawa announces 60 projects and $18 million in funding under its Agricultural Clean Technology Program, designed to reduce greenhouse gases. We hear from a Saskatchewan farmer who has used the program to buy a high-efficiency grain dryer. And the key First Nation reintroduces bison to the Indigenous community near Norquay in northeast Saskatchewan. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain. Helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. The Canadian Cattlemen's Association is concerned about the trucker protest at the Coots-Alberta border crossing. The Cattlemen's Association is calling for a timely resolution and a restoration of the essential supply chain for the cattle industry. The Cattlemen's Association is concerned with the lack of access to livestock feed coming from the U.S. and the effect on cross-border movement of cattle and meat products. The producer group points out the Canadian and U.S. beef industries are highly integrated and stalling cattle, beef and feed movement puts the entire supply chain at risk. Canadian beef producers are already facing challenges following the drought of 2021, limited rail access and trucking shortages. Blocking the transport of beef to cross-border consumers is slowing down processing in Canada and creating a backlog at processing facilities, feedlots and farms and ranches. The Cattlemen's Association says the obstruction is also blocking the growing critical supplies of cattle feed needed across western Canada. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Babeau says the border disruption is being monitored closely. Well, it's obviously very uh, worrying. I think that um, peaceful protest is is uh, the right thing to do, but uh, it has to, to stop at a certain point. And when you have make your point, you have been heard, then, uh, I mean, it should stop and it should not go toward, you know, reaching an illegal blockade. And obviously, from the agricultural perspective, blocking the border uh, very preoccupying because we have so many commodities going across the border. It is extremely important for for our supply chain, and actually, <laughs> this is why we we have to let it go. 
We have obviously uh, food going across, we have perishable food, we have living animals. Uh, so for all these, uh, you know, we are following the, the situation very closely. That's Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebeau. The president of the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan, Ian Boxall, is also worried about the disruption to cattle movement. I don't know what to think on the protest. I think when, you know, whatever side of that protest you're on, but when it starts to affect, you know, the livelihoods of other people and the livelihoods of people who actually support that protest, there's an issue. And we have live animals waiting at the border to get in. And it's, you know, and the, the, there's a timeline there, right? These are live animals. This, you know, they need to get shipped. So, you know, no matter what side of the protest you're on, we still need to have freight move throughout this country. So let's be cognizant of that and let's make sure that that freight can move so, to ensure that we get what we need on our, where we need it. Ian Boxall is the president of the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Seedmaster. No matter what you grow, Seedmaster has the ultimate seeding solutions for better crops and bigger profits. Seedmaster.ca Grain transportation is becoming a sore point again. The Ag Transport Coalition reports that CN Rail only supplied 30% of hopper cars for Grain Week 25, which ended January 25th. That was actually a small improvement over Week 24, which was just 24%. Milt Poyer with QGI Consulting monitors grain movement on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition, whose members represent grain companies and producer groups. This now puts them uh, in what I would describe as historically bad territory. This is the second time in the last five years where CN has failed to supply at least 40% of shipper orders in a week for four consecutive weeks. CP Rail also had its issues at 59%, and that's with the Port of Thunder Bay shipping season closed or complete. Of the three prairie provinces, Saskatchewan had the best number at 39% of car orders filled, but that's still very poor. 39, they were certainly better than Manitoba and better than Alberta, so perhaps they can take a little solace in that fact, but overall performance wasn't poor. One small bright spot for CN uh, in Saskatchewan, they did manage to do well on 200 orders going to Prince Rupert, where they filled them all, but that's the exception to the rule because... Alberta shippers had twice as many orders to Prince Rupert, and they only got 24% of them. So. There doesn't appear to be much incentive for either railway to improve their performance levels. Unfortunately, nobody has the answer to this. And when you've got two public corporations whose principal purpose in life seemingly is to satisfy their shareholders, building this kind of resiliency adds cost. And the railways, like a lot of businesses, don't want to add cost on a just-in-case basis. And that's been the debate in the industry for several years. If you want resiliency, who's going to pay for it? And as for-profit corporations, the railways are not interested in doing that. Poyer says poor rail service is affecting all sectors of the economy, not only grain movement. You know, if you look at the statistics today for the Port of Vancouver, they have practically just as many vessels in port and at anchor as they had in mid-November when the rail lines were out of service going to Vancouver. So that situation hasn't improved 
at all in 10 weeks. I mean, the problem is much, much, much bigger than grain, and we know it is. And we can only imagine that other shippers and other commodities are seeing similarly poor service. Of course, we don't know that, but I think it's a pretty valid assumption. Milt Poirier monitors grain movement on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition. His comments come from the Grain by Train podcast, which is produced by Pulse Canada, a member of the Grain Transport Coalition. Ottawa has announced its first investments in on-farm initiatives initiatives to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebeau spoke about the Agricultural Clean Technology Program this morning. We saw once again over the past year, with the drought and flooding in Western Canada, that climate change is one of the greatest challenges our industry is facing. You know that by adopting clean practices and technologies, you are doing what it takes to keep your land healthy, productive and resilient. With the Agricultural Clean Technology Program, our objective is to help farmers and agribusinesses continue to move towards a low carbon economy by focusing on three priority areas. Green energy and energy efficiency, precision agriculture, and the bioeconomy. Today, I'm glad to announce that 60 projects have been approved under the program across Canada. This first wave of projects totals up to almost $17.9 million, including for two innovative producers, one in Wald Aim, Saskatchewan. Bryce is a fourth generation farmer. When land farms produce high quality cereal grains, oilseed grains and pulse crops, not just for Canada, but for a global marketplace. He received funding of about $250,000 to purchase and install a high-efficiency grain dryer. This project is one of the 24 projects ready so far, with federal investments totaling up to almost $7.6 million to date across the prairies. That's Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebeau. Coming up after the weather break, we'll hear from Waldheim, Saskatchewan area farmer Bryce Wendland, who has received funding through the program. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Sean Haney here with RealAgriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. Joined right now by Dennis Laycraft. He's the Executive Vice President of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. Hey, Dennis, how are you? I'm doing great down here. Thank you. Yeah, you're down at the NCBA convention that's happening this week in Houston, Texas. Um, a lot. Of, I'm super jealous I'm not there. I was telling Greg Henderson from Drovers that just a little while ago. So, Dennis, um, I know you always go down with the plan of things you want to find out, things you want to discuss. You had your trilateral meeting with Mexico and the U.S. officials yesterday. Anything come out of that meeting? You know, it was, it was a very positive meeting um, overall. We we talked about sort of what are our policy priorities in Canada, the same with the U.S. and Mexico. And you know, we did talk about some of the initiatives around country of origin labeling. And certainly the, the three groups remain completely united to be opposed to any anything that would involve a mandatory uh, country of origin labeling initiative. 
there is work going on and USDA just announced the process as they're looking at the product of US and kind of process verified procedures down there. So that was talked around, but mostly it was a lot of, um, <coughs> excuse me, discussion on uh, cooperation on, you know, some of the work we're doing on sustainability, um, some of the overall um, work as we look at capacity and just competitive pricing and across the North American market and a real focus on uh, the benefits of an integrated North American market. Yeah, there's a lot of discussions down there about, you know, pricing transparency and that. Um, does any, you know, there's going to be discussions on this 50% mandatory cash market, things like that, that's being uh, debated this week from a policy perspective. Has any, have you seen any of that work its way north of the border to discussions? Well, you know, we're interested. The main discussion on that takes place at 1.30 this afternoon. So we're, we're quite curious because, you know, there's kind of mixed views on what the impact of that is going to be, what, you know, actual enforcement would look like. Most of the discussion we've had so far is, you know, they're looking at how they're bringing on some some new capacity. Some of the sort of investments they're talking about are probably three to five years out. But this coming year, there should be about 2,500 head more capacity a day I'm available down here at the same time that they're, they're looking at probably a 2% reduction in the number of animals coming to market. So you've got increased capacity and their, their belief just coming out of cattle taxes, that's going to start to shift a higher percentage of that cutout value back into live cattle prices. And their forecast right now is about $20 a hundred weight higher than last year. Going back to the product of the USA comment that you made, is the worry there from a Canadian perspective that there's scope creep on that, where some of the things they're trying to fix, they do make sense from the, on the processing side in terms of how, uh, what you have to do to claim that label, but it could potentially creep into a situation where it really impacts that cross-border integrated value chain component of the industry? Yeah, you know, that's something we watch very closely and, you know, right now, certainly the groups that, that we meet with are all, you know, and, and CBA have indicated they're, whatever they work on, it's got to be fully compliant with their international trade obligations. But you get, you know, we're in an election year in the U.S. with the midterm election, so you get a lot of different things that start to creep into policy discussions. And, you know, you want to make sure this doesn't actually become a de facto mandatory type measure. Um, so we'll be providing input um, on behalf of the Canadian industry directly into the rulemaking procedures and discussions down there and continue to work closely with our allies down there because we're confident that they're, they're committed to avoid that type of uh, creep that you're referring to. Any other issues that are really on your radar that you're focusing in on discussions down at uh, the NCBA convention this week, Dennis? You know, I think a lot of it is we're preparing and working together on some of the, the longer term issues as we prepare for COP27 on the climate change and um, sharing information there on sustainability. And This has been your Real Agriculture Update. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina. 
specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Cloudy today, 30% chance of light snow. Wind southeast 20, becoming light this afternoon. The high today, minus 17. The low tonight, minus 32. Wind chill, minus 42. Tonight, minus 37 overnight. Friday, increasing cloudiness. Early in the morning, 60% chance of light snow. Late in the morning and the afternoon and the evening. Wind southeast 30. The high minus 19 Friday. Wind chill minus 42 tomorrow morning, minus 33 in the afternoon. The low minus 15. Saturday, periods of snow. High minus 7, low minus 20. Sunday, partly cloudy. The high minus 7, the low minus 5. Monday, sunny with a high of 0, the low minus 4. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high zero, the low minus eight. Wednesday, partly cloudy, and the high forecast for Wednesday, minus one. Normal high for this date is minus nine, the normal low, minus 21. The sun rose at 8.31 this morning. It sets at 5.54 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot right now, Maple Creek in the southwest at minus 14. The cold spot up north, Uranium City, minus 33. Estevan is minus 18, Saskatoon minus 26, Swift Current minus 17, Weyburn minus 20, Yorkton is minus 26. Sunny and Regina minus 22, that's 8 below Fahrenheit, winds are from the southeast at 18, giving a wind chill right now of minus 33. Humidity is 70%, the barometer dropping 102.6. Partly cloudy, Moose Jaw minus 16, winds are from the southwest at 21. Once again, Regina, clear skies, a beautiful sunny day, minus 22, that's 8 below Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems expect the best. The first projects have been approved under the Federal Agricultural Clean Technology Program. It assists farmers in purchasing new high-efficiency greenhouse gas-reducing grain dryers. Bryce Wendland with Wendland Farms of Waldheim has one of 24 projects on the prairies approved to date. Bryce and his father have a 7,000-acre operation, and the pair have been farming together since 2011. When we first started farming, we lucked out with some really easy harvest, and I hadn't given the grain dryer too much thought. We did have an older one on the yard, and as we slowly got into some tougher harvests, uh, namely 2018 and 2019 come to mind when we had uh, snow in the middle of September on standing wheat and just all around ugly harvest conditions. We did use our old dryer and it did pull, pull us through but we quickly realized we were going to need uh, something bigger, faster and and uh, just more efficient to accommodate the size of crops we're growing and, and the combine power we now had. The Wendland started researching new grain dryers a couple of years ago and eventually decided on one built by a Manitoba company, Western Grain Dryer. A tall dryer. They hold a lot of bushels. This one holds about 1,800. And because 
it holds a lot of grain. Uh, the grain is kept in the dryer for, for a longer period of time during the drying process. Uh, this results in uh, a slow and gentle dry so that the moisture can be removed from the kernel evenly. Uh, the other thing that happens is as the grain flows from the top to the bottom, it flows over those uh, triangle ducts. And as it's flowing over those ducts, it's, uh, it's constantly mixing. And this results in uh, there being no drying front. And because the grain is mixing, there's very few kernels that are over-dried or, or under-dried. And again, this makes for an efficient and, and gentle grain drying process. The Wendlands also decided to go with the natural gas air dryer versus propane. And we knew it was going to be more expensive than propane off the start, but it would eventually be cheaper in the long run. The other great thing about natural gas is more environmentally friendly. Sask Energy has a great calculator on their website about uh, CO2 emissions burning natural gas versus propane in grain drying. For example, I think the calculator says uh, drying about 100,000 bushels of wheat at four points moisture removal will save about six to seven tons of carbon. And that's just burning the gas alone let alone uh, not having trucks on the road to, to truck the propane would be a, a further reduction in emissions. Bryce was asked how long he thinks it will take to break even by going with natural gas instead of propane. Yeah, it's kind of tough to answer depending on how much we dry in a given year, but I've estimated about 20 years it'll take to start uh, to break even on that. But I'm only 33, so if I can farm till I'm 65, I'll, I'll definitely be ahead. Wendland says the application process for the government program wasn't too difficult. It was at this time we were just at the, the tail end of planning our project and it was great timing and I thought this is good news, let's go ahead with this and see what happens. And, and yeah, in July I applied for the program. Uh, it all went very good. Working with AAFC was, was very good. Uh, submitting the paper and the, the documents all went very well and seamless. And the whole program was uh, really focused around uh, being environmentally friendly and, and uh, reducing your carbon footprint. And we think that's a great thing on our farm. And we've always been environmentally conscious. Um, whether it's putting sectional control on our grills or fertilizer equipment or spraying equipment, or even just recycling our chemical jugs when we're done with them, we want to be mindful of the environment and we want to be stewards of the land. And and when it comes to grain drying, we, we want to be efficient and environmentally friendly at that too. Bryce Wendland and his father farm in the Waldheim area north of Saskatoon. They're among the first 24 applicants to be approved under the Federal Agricultural Clean Technology Program. It helps producers to adopt technologies that reduce greenhouse gas emissions. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com A new Plains Bison Herd has been established on the key First Nation near Norquay to renew cultural, historical and ecological connections for the Indigenous community. Norquay is about 290 kilometres northeast of Regina. Michael Burak is the Nature Conservancy of Canada's Program Director for Southwestern Saskatchewan. He says the bison were recently relocated from Grasslands National Park and the Old Men on His Back Prairie and Heritage Conservation Area. Yeah, so just in uh, a couple weeks ago here in January, we rounded up our bison herd like we do annually, and we split off a small group of animals consisting of uh, 10 heifer calves, about seven or eight adult females, 
Uh, and then we had one young bull as well that we, we threw in there for them. And we loaded them up and they made their way over to the, the camp sack area at the Key First Nation and were released uh, Saturday the 22nd, I believe. Burak says Nature Conservancy of Canada wanted to ensure First Nations benefit from his organization's effort and outlined the herd management to key First Nation. There are 20 bison from Old Man on his back and 20 from Grasslands National Park. Yeah, so we we were kind of the first ones that the key First Nation came to and they had originally requested 20 animals and we kind of consulted with that management plan that we had put together uh, and kind of determined kind of where where we had some some individuals that we we would be able to provide based on just the the age and sex structure of the herd and, and things like that. Um, and we had a good, we felt comfortable with that those 20 animals that we could we kind of take them out of the herd and there wouldn't be any kind of effect on our own our own herd. But um, the the key the key were actually able to secure more feed for the winter than they had originally thought. So they were hoping to start with with 40 instead of 20, but we just didn't have those animals to to provide to them. So we, we looped in Parks Canada and Grasslands National Park at that time because we knew that they were handling their bison herd as well that uh, this year. Uh, and NTC was also looking to get a couple new animals from them as well just to, to add to our, our own herd as we do have uh, a fairly old herd that is kind of starting to get a little bit up there in age. So we've been replacing some of our older animals as we've been losing them. So we, we also got 10 heifer calves from uh, Grasslands National Park, and then we kind of put them in contact with Key First Nation to, to see if they had any animals that they could provide for them as well. Um, and kind of together, we, we put together a group of 40 animals for them. Michael Burak is the Nature Conservancy of Canada's Program Director for the Southwest. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. See Nelson GM today. Grain prices were mixed in early trading. Viterra prices for oats rose $80 at $551.53. One red spring wheat went down 245 at 41541. The rest were unchanged. Durham 67098. Feed barley 37737. Flax 127370. Lentils 8850. Yellow peas 63589. Feed wheat 26165. At Minneapolis, March spring wheat fell 2 and a quarter cents at 905 and 3 quarter cents a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now the latest Livestock Quotes. Good afternoon. This is the Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of February the 2nd. A very respectable run here considering the poor weather conditions. 2,100 head in the sort, 160 cows and bulls, a total of 2,260 for the day. 90% of these cattle came in on the Monday short. Cows and bulls selling under pressure to lower here. D1, D2 cows, 68 to 74, sales to 76, 77. D3 cows, 58 to 65. Cows are averaging 69 cents. Good bulls, 95 to 105, sales to 107, 108. The bulls are averaging 102. On to the pre-short sale, and what a sale we had. Listen up. Here's some highlights on the sear side. 420-pound black steers, 268. 500-pound black steers, 255, 570s at 239, 640-pound steers, 218. My favorite pen, 
710-pound block steers 206, 800-pound tan steers 194, and 850-pound steers at 191, and 950-pound red block exotic steers at 185. Onto the heifers, 420-pound heifers, 216, 500-pounders, 212, 570-pound heifers, 205, 670s at 184, 710-pound heifers, 176, 800-pounders, 173, and 850-pound heifers at 164. Next week, Wednesday, February the 9th sale, one of my favorite sales, the, the 6th annual Speckle Park sale. These cattle come from all over Saskatchewan and Manitoba for this sale, but all breeds are welcome. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices, 189.69 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. The latest public offering for Crown Oil and Gas rights in Saskatchewan has raised over $6.1 million in revenue. It brings the total to $15 million for the fiscal year, a 131% rise over the previous fiscal year. This month's $6 million in revenue is the highest in the entire year and significantly exceeds the amount of revenue raised during 2020-21. Of the 84 parcels posted, 75 received acceptable bids. Total bids covered almost 29,000 acres. The average bonus bid was $214 per acre, with the highest acceptable bid at $3,125 per acre. The highest bonus bid on a lease is $528,000 for a 486-acre bid in the Estevan area awarded to Mydale Petroleums. Two leases southeast of Lampman received $3,125 per acre. The highest in the offering was awarded to Millennium Land. The highest bonus bid on an exploration license was $501,000 for a 2,600-acre license in the Kindersley area by Prairie Land and Investment Services. This was also the highest dollars per acre received on a license at $193 per acre. The first sale of the new fiscal year is set for April 5th and features 207 leases covering over 66,000 acres and one exploration license covering 2,000 acres. On the markets, the TSX is down 207 points to 21,155. The Dow has fallen 337 points to 35,292. Oil is up 61 cents at 88.87 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is down 8 one-hundredths of a cent at 78.85 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.